Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia, and this is my mother, Ima. Hello, Ima. Hello, sweetness. How was your day? Uh, Baruch Hashem, and I'm sitting here unwinding with my Cabernet Sauvignon. I think it's Sauvignon. Sauvignon. Yeah. I think, I think the N is silent. Is, it, is, it an, is there an N at the end of the scent of a Cabernet Sauvignon? I don't know. I don't speak French. Okay. My my main my second language is Spanish. Okay. So anyway, um, so so we can unwind for this anyway and we talk about our day and everything. And I want to talk about um, what I had for dinner. That I had I made borscht, real real borscht. How'd you do it? I, okay. Well, I remember what happened was the um, cook at Mahon Khana was from. Siberia, a Siberian prison camp, actually. Oh wow! And she one time made us real borscht, not this, not this garbage that they sell in the stores that they call borscht. That's not real borscht; it's beet juice. And the way you make real borscht, and furthermore, remember I was talking to you before about the way my parents used to eat borscht. They would take this beet juice that they sell in the stores and eat it on sour cream, oh. and. I think I tried it once and threw up on it, but they loved it. They ate it constantly. In fact, when my mother was um, at the assisted living home, that was one of the things that they served uh, Shabbos afternoon for dinner mm. for the residents. And I don't, I don't know why people like this thing, but anyway, the way that real borscht is made is it's a, either a chicken or a beef stock. And so I took chicken soup and I put pieces of chicken in it and I put mixed vegetables and fresh garlic and fresh scallions and fresh arugula leaves. And then I added the, um, uh, you know, the chicken soup, the parva chicken soup flavoring. I added that to it, plus white pepper and garlic powder and mm. a little salt and boiled it up. Oh, and then a can of beets. Just a regular can of beets, of cut, cut up beets. And it was, wow, it was so good. I've been eating it for like the past three days. It's been really good. Um, what, I guess, what have you ever made that you felt like this was like the worst dish you've ever made? <laughs> uh, well, you remember that little sign that you kids bought for me that said, Dinner is ready when we know the when the smoke alarm goes off. Yes. Yes. I think so. The worst, I don't know, good question. What is the worst thing I ever made? Um, what comes to mind? Oh, well, there were occasions when I was a little too heavy-handed with the salt in my chicken soup. Mm. And I and um, when I served it, your father, <laughs> was, let's put it this way, he said it was like the Dead Sea. Oh, God. And he says to me, remember, when it comes to salt, a teaspoon. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. One, there's one thing I regretted making, and I never, because I didn't try it out, was um, your aunt was having her usual um, annual Hanukkah party. So I wanted to make like some, something like Sufganiot. So I made these like, uh, these, how can I say these like dough patties that I baked in the oven 
Then I sandwiched jelly between two of these like dough patties. And I didn't have a chance to try it out. And I just took it to the, to the party and some. Hello, you, 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 you're. And I was, am I, am I, are we still connected? You, yeah, you, you crapped out on me for a hot second. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, because I got, a, I had to, a phone call came in and I had to shoo it away. Anyway, so, um, anyway, so, uh, I tried later on, I tried these out and I went, oh my gosh. It was totally, I don't know, tasteless. I don't know what I did that went wrong, but it was tasteless. And I'm embarrassed that I actually wound up taking it to a party and putting it out for people to eat. Gross. Because it was so bad. Yes. Disgusting. Yes. Just the waste. Just and then the waste. And there was also when I, first, when I first started cooking and first started, I made my, I used to make pancakes from scratch. Yeah, those were good pancakes. Thank you. But it took a while for me to perfect the method. When I was first married, before you were even a preconceived notion, mm -hmm. don't ask how many pancakes I burned. Yeah, totally, I don't know. I, totally to a crisp. I don't see how people burn pancakes. It's, it's a shocker to me. Very easy. <laughs> but what it is, is that you, the, you, you, there's that fine line where you don't want the pancake to be underdone because then you have this batter that's just going to ooze through. Although I kind of like it half done. I really do. I, you know me, I like stuff raw. I love stuff like, you know, half baked. That's half baked favorite. pancake though. That's disgusting though. Yeah, I like it. Uh, you know, put oh, <coughs> delicious, put, put jelly or syrup on it. I love that. But anyway, your father was the opposite. He liked things well done. So I was trying to judge when it would be time to flip the pancake oh. and you have to it's like when the batter starts to bubble and when you see it just when you see the bubbles just starting to slow down that's the time to flip it over but i didn't know that so i didn't want to flip it over too soon and what can i say it didn't go very well no it did not but in the words of Bubby Donna, she used to say, the first year that you're married, the garbage can gets fed. Oh, quite, and then eventually, <laughs> then eventually you find your, find your way and you're able to do a proper cooking. Yeah. And um, like I said to your father, just because I'm a woman, does that mean that I innately know how to cook? Like I'm just born with the sense of cooking just because I'm a woman? No, I've got to learn this like, like any other thing that, that anybody would learn. Mm, it takes time. Mm, it mm, takes, mm. takes time. It takes learning. You're not, born, you know, you're, you're not, you're not born just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you're automatically born knowing how to cook and sew and keep a house. Come of course, on. of course, of course, of course, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But well, well now, that, now that your bachelor years are over. Um, so did, how was it for you? Like basically taking charge of the house and cooking and sewing, doing stuff like that uh, I, for yourself. I, it doesn't. It, it is what it is, you know. <clears throat> it's the the biggest question is how do you find energy after a long day of working, and the answer is you don't, and you have to just push <laughs> yourself. And sometimes you do everything on Sundays and things like that, and you manage and whatnot. You know, that's that's the only thing I can think of. Um, so when you, well, now you've got a wife, but before you had your wife and you were responsible just for yourself. 
which was quite a few years. What did like what did you do about did you did you cook for yourself by scratch or something? Or did you just like, you know, buy something? frozen that you could just pop in the microwave or something like that i usually cook from scratch most of the time i mean uh it just i would get some chicken get some get some vegetables and then just like make some quick little meal and then that'll be it um mm -hmm. at one point though i was so i was in such a like a, a a mode of just go 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 i wasn't really thinking and i was just I literally didn't realize, but all I was eating was like a power power bars during the day and like plain chicken that night. And I was doing it over and over and over again, the same thing for like a month and a half. And then it got to a point where I was eating and then I was like, oh, this is disgusting. And I started throwing up. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I remember there was um for that, there was a while where I was making that transition of your father was in Florida, I was in Baltimore. And so there was a few months there when I was just cooking for myself. And what I would do is I would just take either broccoli or spinach and I would take a raw piece of fish, put it on top of the broccoli or spinach, smother it with um, olive oil and season all, and just throw it in the microwave for like about uh, two to three minutes. That was it. But I did something last week, something I've always wanted to do and never did and decided to go ahead and do it. I took a raw piece of salmon and I put it in a Ziploc bag and I, um, I poured, I poured soy sauce on it and these um, like type of spices where it's a combination of salt, pepper, garlic, um, you know, a few other things, you know, one of these, you know, exotic spices and then just, you know, zipped it up and let it marinate the entire mm. day. And then when I came home, I ate it raw. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is, that's, 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 yeah, that's a no for me. I don't know. It, it was delicious, man. It was so good. I'm sure it was. Yeah. I'm sure it was. Yeah. They're going to have a book of raw recipes. That'd be good. They probably What's do. <laughs> Maybe I should contribute to it. Maybe I should buy it. <laughs> Yeah, they have they have raw vegan recipes. Ooh. That's that's what they have. A lot of vegan raw recipes. Now, how you about know. raw meat and fish recipes? Raw meat <laughs> recipes? Yeah, raw meat and fish. Wouldn't be dafka, but it's meat. it's like marinating. Well, there's there's like it's beef tar uh, steak tartare and things like that. What's steak tartare? What is that? That's 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 raw steak. That's just it's it, it, you mix it with like vinegar and hot sauce and John mustard uh -huh. and whatnot. And you just, you mix it all up and you eat it. You mean you don't let it like marinate or sit overnight? No, no, you just eat it. Really? Just bite eat right it that, uh, no, that adventurous I'm not going to be because I saw something on forensic files about this, this boy who came down with this horrible illness and the doctors were scratching their heads, couldn't figure out how he got this horrible, horrible, like really like, um, it was like a toxic parasite. And mm -hmm. finally he admitted to his parents that he was at a barbecue with, with some of these kids. And he was a Boy Scout. He was at Boy Scout camp having a barbecue. And he actually grabbed a handful of raw, you know, of raw ground beef and just ate it. Yeah. I and that's, don't think yeah, can, that's where he got this. I, I highly doubt you can get a parasite, you know, from, from raw beef. 
He did. Know? He did. He got it was very toxic. It was like this toxic uh, type of uh, parasite or bacteria. Oh, be- or something. a tapeworm. Yeah, you can get a tapeworm. It wasn't a tapeworm. It was something. It was something. It was something. It was something worse. He got it's some sort of like very. Yeah, the only thing that comes up, po- you know, is, yeah. trichin- is trichinosis. Unless that's it. That could be what, it, or yeah. you're just watching TV shows that are just made for entertainment, and they blow things out of proportion. Well, anyway, Anyways. so um, so anyway, the um, we're talking about like raw recipes. Oh, so I was at a a really nice kiddish in New oh, York yeah? a few months ago, and mm-hmm. they had an actual sushi bar. Oh wow! And in front of the sushi bar, they had um, all these like pieces of raw fish, and so I saw this like piece this nice sized piece of raw tuna yeah and i just put it on my plate and grabbed the soy sauce poured the soy sauce over it and yummy went to town yes sounds awesome (laughs) sounds like a plan sounds like a plan yes Uh, so at any rate so let's talk about uh, unwinding after a hard day. Yeah, hey, watching watch... uh, wa- watch, watching Law and Order SVU. Yes. What What was the worst movie you've ever watched? <laughs> oh my show? god! I have a whole list of them, man. I'll tell you the truth. Top three. The, top three worst movies. The vast, quite in my opinion, the vast majority of movies I have seen, the vast majority, aren't even worth the magnetic tape they are recorded on. Ask me what are the few really good movies I've seen. Okay, so what are the good movies? Now you've there's seen? a good question. Okay, okay, the few really good movies. Majority of movies I've seen are not. In fact, I bet if you were to canvas most Americans, they would probably tell you that the majority of movies they've seen are absolutely ridiculous and not even worth their time. But um, okay, one. Let me see. What was uh, this one movie I saw? Last week on YouTube, it was like one of these movies that's free on YouTube. It was an yeah. old movie from the 1960s with Gregory Peck and Christopher Palmer. I think we've, so, we've talked about that movie. Yeah, they, you couldn't get you couldn't get better actors. They were amazing. What, what was what was the movie was, called? It was called The Scarlet and the Black. It was based on a true story about this Irish priest who he was some big monsignor in the Vatican. And this was during World War II when the Nazis came to, came to Italy, came to Rome. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he got himself involved in saving Jews and in saving escaped American and British prisoners mm. and hiding them. And of course, you know, and when the Nazis came to Rome, uh, Christopher Palmer, who was the commandant of Rome, he was the colonel who was in charge of Rome, came to the Pope and to work out basically, um, you might say details about how much authority the Nazis would have in Vatican City. And the Pope made it clear to him that the Vatican um, that he might, that he's neutral and he might not go out of his way to help people, but 
anybody that can make it into the Vatican is uh, that's, that's holy sanctuary. And that he's going to insist that the Nazis not have any jurisdiction. So Christopher Plummer tells him what they're going to do is they're going to make a, a large, a, a white painted border around where the Vatican authority ends and the city of Rome begins. And he says, we, he said, they said, he says, they won't violate that white line. But he says, anybody, any of your people that go over that white line to try to help anybody, he says, as far as we're concerned, if we catch them and they're outside of Vatican City, that's it. You know, we're going to do to them what we want. Mm. So at one point, so anyways, at one point, Christopher Palmer finds out Gregory Peck, who's his priest, um, what he's doing. And he wants to go right into Vatican City and just and arrest him right then and there. The general, the German general, who is um, Christopher Plummer's boss, yeah. tells him, absolutely not. <clears throat> he says, if you violate, if you, if you violate the Vatican, he says, you are going to touch off such a world outrage, such a furor. He says, it's going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm not, I said, I can't permit you to do that. So, um, so Gregory Peck, you know, uh, there are many, many times, of course, when he secretly goes over the white line, you know, helps people and he's working, but there's this woman who's his secretary and she's helping him too. Like she has put up her apartment as a sanctuary. So she hides Jews and prisoners in her apartment. Mm-hmm. And then they have another apartment in Rome that somebody else volunteered where they're hiding people. Needless to say, it's a extremely exciting movie. Very, very exciting. And um, there's one point where, oh, this is really funny. The Germans have captured this young man who's um, this young Italian man who's part of their underground group and they have him in prison and of course they're going to torture him and interrogate him you know whatever the night before christopher palmer is supposed to interrogate him um gregory peck the priest is at a performance of the opera la boheme and the german commandant is there too the german commandant doesn't quite know everything about uh gregory peck's activities yet He's, he's suspicious, but he doesn't have, a, you know, he's just touched the surface. He's just coming to Rome. So Gregory Peck comes over to him with the program from the opera and says to him, I admire you so much. This is such an honor to meet such a great German leader. He says, please, will you autograph my program? Christopher Plummer, not suspecting anything, says, certainly it would be an honor. And he because this guy, he knows, he knows Gregory Peck is very close to the Pope. He's got a lot of power in the Vatican. And he's also kind of, you know, uh, flattered that this big high priest is, uh, so, you know, admires him so much. So Christopher Plummer, you know, without any hesitation, signs the program. The next day, Christopher Plummer gives orders to his men to bring him the prisoner to interrogate. Hello? His men look at him. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. 
Oh, okay. Chris, so anyway, um, so the, um, the men, Christopher Palmer's men look at him very strangely and they go, sir, he's been released. He was released hours ago. So Christopher Palmer says, why was he released? And they said, because you ordered it. He said, I didn't know such thing. But they said, you're missing Oops, you. Wait a minute. Are we connected? I'm connecting now. Okay, wait a minute. Um, my, my, yo, 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 yo. Let me get. I'm starting to lose juice, so let me connect myself. Oh no. Okay, I can't do that. Okay, well we'll try to tie this thing up. So, um, Christopher Palmer. They all die and send the story. Ba -da, ba -da, no, they don't. Ba -da. No, they don't die. So, so Christopher Palmer says. Says, says, I did not order this man released. So they said, well, here's the papers and here's your signature. And he looks at the papers and they said, isn't this your signature, sir, to release? And he goes, yes, that's my signature. And that's when he realized that Gregory Peck tricked him. Oh, wow. By having him sign the program, he had something underneath that the orders to release this man and he didn't realize he, you know, that he was signing that also. Like he would make a carbon copy or something, but he yeah. was signing the papers to release the guy. Oh wow! Anyway, so I guess we're getting towards the end of our time, and I'm getting to the towards the end of my battery. Yep, that's it. That's our end of our time. That's our time, actually. So, yeah. Maybe next time we can continue talking about rotten movies or good movies. All right. Well, we'll, we'll maybe something <laughs> else. Maybe something else. But we'll see. We'll see, though. Thank you so much, Ima. I really appreciate it. Hope you have a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you too. Have a good job, honey. Love you. Mwah. Love you too. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother episode. Please like and subscribe our Facebook group at Jewish Boy Calls His Mother podcast and check out our YouTube channel, Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I know you'd like it and my mother would appreciate it too.